We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the Golden Bear Cast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are reconvened after a nice victory over the Arizona State Sun Devils. I am, as always, joined by my co-host, Rob, who, by the way, has been putting out some fire Fire pictures featured all across the Right for California website. Can you just give us a glimpse? Like, <laughs> what is the day in the life of a sidelined photographer for the Cal Bears? Uh, I guess this is a good segue into the vibes. <laughs> I guess that's what we're doing. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, it's it's really fun. It's a lot of walking around. Um, but it's also every single TV timeout, I'm just sitting on the field, like literally on the field, like just sitting on the grass uh, with my legs just like sprawled out with just with my camera gear, like in my hand, just waiting for like the there's like a time. There's a person with a like a clock that stands out there that tells you how much time is left in the TV timeout. And if it's like a three minute timeout, yeah, I'm just like sitting there like on my phone, scrolling through Twitter. Uh, scroll- wait, 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 what? Yeah, just enjoying this enjoying is, the sideline. You were just I'm sorry. <laughs> Your experience as a sideline reporter, you're just sitting there on Twitter during the TV timeouts? Yeah, what else is there to do? Everyone's like on the sideline or huddled like or just waiting for plays to happen. I mean, I'll take pictures here and there of like timeouts and stuff, but usually they're all on the sideline anyway, so it's really hard to get a really good angle nor do I have a lens a, tele, a telephoto lens that could pull that far hmm. um, to get close-up shots of them on the sideline anyway. So what are you shooting with? Uh, I have two cam- I have a two camera setup. One's on a 24 to 70 F4 and the other is on a 70 to 200 F4. Okay, and last question. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through the Jeremiah Hunter play? Oh, uh, the catch. 
yeah. You're talking about the catch? Um, yeah, so I tend to sit I st- I stand on the uh, on the end zone that we're going towards because that always that means Cal players are always going to be faced in my direction whether we're on defense or on offense, right? So I was in that particular end zone. I was on the Cal sideline, maybe around the 10-yard line. Um and I have my camera set up and I'm taking I just wanted to take some pictures to start play starts and then I have it focused on the quarterback and I see Sam's eyes and they're just they're laser beamed towards the sideline. Like, you know, just they're they're zoned in on Jeremiah. I think he saw the one-on-one and he just wait, was waiting for the separation. And then so I like swivel my camera to the sideline and thank God for Sony's autofocus technology because it just so happened to catch Jeremiah right as he saw the ball like in the air. And then I just I just prayed to God and Preston held that shutter button <laughs> and uh, it just took all the shots and it caught Jeremiah in focus perfectly. And then uh, I didn't re- I didn't actually realize how good all those photos would look until I got home. I saw the one photo like I was scrolling through on my camera and you know how like the camera little uh, the, the screen's like so small so you can't really tell. A lot of the times like I'll I, I'll like oh that's a good one and then I'll go home and look at it and it's like out of focus. Like, it just does not look great. Wow. But this one was just, like, it was pinpoint from before the catch all the way through the catch. So, and I was like, oh, God. All right. Got it. I got one. I got one good shot. And that's all I could ask for. Are you going to frame that with... So, can you describe a little bit of what you caught just so that the people listening can understand? Well, it's Jeremiah's uh, sideline catch in the first quarter, I believe. Um He's just down the sideline, over the shoulder, and he like dives for the catch. So, um, I I think I put it up on my Instagram. I think it's Avi used it as his picture for his article on Sunday. Uh, but like one of the shots is just like him in the air, like with the ball in his hands. And you uh, see every you have the before when the hands are extended and the ball is still in the air. Yeah, sort of the during and the after. Yeah, so that's why I th- that's why I'm thinking as a frame, I would buy this. So just so you know, if you decide to do this, one, two, three. Oh, so just like before catch, during catch, after catch. Yeah. Well, now I know what I got you for Christmas. <laughs> I would just print that out, make that into a little little frame for you. You know, I just fist bumped or fist bumped so that people. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this. There's a whole white wall here that has nothing on it. But there you go. All yeah, right, we'll go right up there. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll get some better ones by the end of the year. Maybe we'll get some touchdown photos and stuff. Maybe that'll be a little bit nicer. You know, just reasonable ass. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the game-winning touchdown in the Rose Bowl. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 4K. Thanks. Thanks. In 4K. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, technically, we only have one conference <laughs> loss so far. So who, why not? <laughs> no. why who not? knows? Who knows? But yeah, that's that's a... Uh, it's, it's also... For people that don't know and haven't been down there, it is also kind of lonely. Like just because during the timeouts, it's like I I I I spent so many years up in the box with you, and then there's a bunch of games that I've spent on in the stands with with our friends and our group. But like being down there by yourself, it's like you're there to do that job. So like I'm like sitting on the side, I'm like sitting on the near the end zone. Then like you have to walk all the way across behind the team bench to the other side to the other goal zone or to the other end zone in the next quarter. Um, 
then it's a lot of just like just myself like I, I get there usually about 45 minutes before kick like go to the photo room in memorial stadium which by the way like compared to other stadiums is like a harry potter closet like it is so small um and then getting my stuff ready heading out of the field taking some shots on my camera either or both of my cameras just to make sure the settings are all right and then um and then kickoff and it's just uh just in there but there are moments where you're like oh man i kind of miss like having someone to talk to about like as the game's like unfolding so i do I miss that, that part i see that i remember we were in the photo room at chase field for the cheese yep. bowl yep and that was cool to see and that's where we had the cheese it uh crusted chicken sandwich and the cheese it cheeseburger right yes that's where we had those gnarly creations <laughs> Once in a lifetime, baby. Once in a lifetime. Yes, that's that is for sure true. Good God. Well, it sounds like you're inviting me to bring my camera and try to get a pass. But yeah. let me tell you, I do not know what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. It's a learning experience. I'll I'll, I'll walk you through it. We'll have a good time on the field. It's actually it's really fun. Um, like just the it's like the fr- you see the fruits of your labor, right? Like you sit there. For four hours, you're taking all these pictures, then you come home and you like run through. I took, I think I took 650 photos and that's not even a lot considering like some of the pros, right, that are sending it to USA Today and and AP and stuff. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's pennies compared to what they're doing, but to come home, to sift through all of that and be like, Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, It's, it's a fun experience. I love that. Maybe we'll do that for one of these games, Andy. I love it. Yeah, bookmark it. Unsure when, but they but accept we, people with babies strapped to their chests and have, and have a camera. Well, as long as the baby has a camera too, right? I think you can argue that it's an apprentice in training. Yes, the uh, I heard the the GoPro Mini. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, well, strap a GoPro to your baby's chest, and the baby is already strapped to your chest. So, it's Inception. <laughs> now, have you ever worried about getting run into? Yeah, a bunch, which is why I have camera insurance. <laughs> I saw the guy, so I was sitting I was sitting on the baseline for Calman's basketball last season, and the Joel Brown just I dove for a ball, slid and just rammed into him, right? This dude just goes flying backwards, his camera like out of his hand, like hits the hardwood. And for the rest of this, and this was game one, and the rest of the rest of the season, there's this little chip mark um, on the hardwood, and it's like it's forever there for the rest of the season until they replace the hardwood. Uh, but like his, he had a thank God, like he had a lens filter on his lens, but it landed and scraped on that edge of that lens filter, so the lens filter cracked, of course, and then the metal part got jammed inside of the threads to the lens. So he like left because he was in the photo room, like trying to get like wrenches to like ply out the the lens filter, which he did. And then he comes back and we're out. The three of us that are sitting on that row are like, you know, we're like, your lens OK. And he's like, thank God. Yeah, the it's just the lens filter that broke. It got punched in the lens itself. None of the glass got broken. So we're like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> but the wow. moment I saw that, I was like, yep, I'm getting uh, I'm getting photographer's insurance. I didn't even know photographer's insurance existed. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you yeah. for indulging me on that conversation. Yep. Vibe check. Vibe check. 
We need a, a vibe check transition. I want to. <laughs> I, I'm imagining, dude. I heard an ad today. This is another off topic, but I'm going for it. An ad today was Joe Starkey doing on what? the radio for termites, and it, I was I missed it. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, it's Joe! It's Joe!" I missed listening to this guy. He still got it. I mean, He's, who knows? Maybe they recorded that like years ago. It might be, but it's Joe slanging the termite termite stuff. <laughs> so all that to say, we need like a vibe check. I mean, I'm I think yeah, I wonder if Starkey would Starkey would record it, or maybe we should ask for something that we are more confident in being a segment for years in the future. But <laughs> yeah, would love that. That would be cool. This is Joe Starkey, and this, this is, is vibe your vibe check. check. <laughs> 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 this is All when right. you know it's just two buddies just like just recording a random ass podcast at 9 30 at night because no one else is going through this type of stuff it's just <laughs> you and me on a on an internet recorder it's the uniqueness <laughs> all right give me the vibes i um, was i was in tahoe so i'm gonna go full pass tell me the vibes I think it's been a continuation of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. You know, just, you know, we talked about it last week, which, of course, listeners weren't able to, which we apologize for that. It was uh, technical errors on my end, and we were just unable to get it fixed after we recorded. Um, but basically what we talked about last week was just some of the repercussions of losing that Auburn game and maybe losing a lot of interest and just... Um, that was my mea culpa. Yeah, it was. it was me saying that I was wrong. It was. No one will ever hear it. Yeah. Now I'm apologizing on this podcast. So and your pod and your apology just goes. No one will ever listen to. Now it's just a rumor. No one no, knows. Just a, no, no one knows. Yeah, yeah. No one knows. So yeah, I think uh, in regards to that, I think that's what kind of was sustained. I think the uh, attendance that was recorded and officially noted was uh, I have it pulled up right here. 34,353 which I I don't uh, think there were that many people in the stadium to be I honest. I don't think yeah, I think it was closer probably to 30,000 than it was to 35. Yeah. Um looking okay. on TV at the beginning, I mean there's nobody there and then even still it did look like you still had you know some of the same trends. You have the alumni on one side where it was more filled in and then yeah. Young alumni is just totally empty. Student section half full. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it was. It just felt like uh, if we lose this game, everyone's gonna you know pitchforks everywhere. If we win this game, everyone's just gonna be like, all right, well we were supposed to win that game, and just kind of eh, like shrug. Yeah, in some ways, home. yeah, it's one of those interesting things where the only way I think you come out of that game with a with not one of those two things is if we had blown been like blown out Arizona state. Yeah. I mean, even then too, it's like if they, if they had played maybe Jaden Rashada and we had beaten them, then maybe that gives a little bit more credit. But the fact that it was such a close, it was a three point game with them starting their third string quarterback, I think just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Like, especially with how the game played out. Well, let's do game recap. All right. Well, here we go. Cal takes on Arizona State. Cal beats Arizona State 24-21. Um, Cal never lost the lead in this game. They took it with a, a touch, one-yard touchdown run from Afonso. 
Then Arizona State tied it with a Scadabo two-yard run. Then uh, Mateen Bagani hits a 37-yarder to make it 10-7. Then Hunter gets that back shoulder pass from Sam Jackson, 17-7. Then Daria Longhetto, our former kicker, hits a 24-yarder, then a 29-yarder, and then 17-13. Ott runs it in for two yards and gets it to 24-13. And then Bourget runs it for a three-yard rush, and then they convert a two-point uh, a two-point conversion, so that makes it 24-21, and that was at the nine-minute mark, and then we just milked the clock, and it was game over. Bears pretty much dominated, like, you know, statistically. First down, 20-17. to 17. Rushing yards, 196-68. to 68. Passing was the only one that, like, we really didn't do. ASU had 360 passing yards, and Cal had only 130. Um, in terms of the, I think the big thing of note was the fourth down attempts uh, Arizona State went for it five times one of which was inside their own 40 mm-hmm. Cal went for it three times converted on two Arizona out of their five converted on two as well Arizona State four red zone chances four scores Cal four red zone chances three scores that one that they didn't score on was at the very end when we milked it for like six minutes and then we were on the one yard line um, after the PI call and we just couldn't punch it in um, and so they had to go down the field to do that. That play was so insane. Yeah. So in, insane. In terms of defense, uh, Caleb Elarmzor, of course, is showcasing his talents and getting better every single week. 15 total tackles, 11 assisted for solo. Uh, Jackson Sermon with 13 tackles right beside him with seven assisted, six solo, and a tackle for a loss. Noel Williams with a tackle for a loss and seven tackles and a pass breakup. Patrick Morris probably had his best game as a Cal Bear, I'd say. Six tackles and two ta- uh, two pass breakups. And Nate Burrell with the lone QB hurry from the game. And, of course, Miles Jernigan with the forced fumble as well. And that's pretty much it with all the stats. Thoughts? I want to give the perspective that I promised earlier this year when I said that I wouldn't read, I don't read too much online other than kind of Nick and Avi. That's about it. Um, And I try to read some of the comments to understand how people are feeling. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I want to talk about today is the difference between how, if you go on right for California, still there, you go to the comment section on, I think it's Rick, Chen's the, post? The rate the game? Rate the game. Yep. And there's a lot of positivity. Mm-hmm. People talking about having a good time when you're in the stadium, focused on what's in front of you and the experience. And the other, so that's the one, persp- I just found this to be fascinating. So you have that, and I read that night of, for me, because I was re-watching it sure. Saturday night. Yep. So I read that. I'm like, okay. And I checked in. My parents were there. They were in my new season tickets. Shout out to Maida. Maida, oh, damn. That means Maida didn't get her shout out last week. Oh, yeah. She gets her shout out today. She gets her well-deserved shout out today. I've heard the new seats are great. My parents are thrilled. And overall, I think the feedback that I got from my family was that the traditions are fantastic. They love the tailgate. They love going. And then the game itself was somewhat boring with an exciting finish is, is, uh, was basically what I heard. And that's kind of on brand for 
the couple of games that I've been to, I'd say the Auburn game was like exceedingly boring. The the Idaho game was a bit more fascinating just because of what was transpiring. Yep. But still kind of a little bit like, eh. And, but I think it was a little bit more exciting. Auburn was, I just remember walking away and being like, Auburn was really just not that interesting in a football game. This one, okay, sorry. I, I don't want to lose my previous point. So then I go and read Avi's post, which was a little bit more negative, And the comments skewed much more negative. And then I read Nick's column and the comments skewed much more negative. And so I think it's very interesting that it seems as though these audiences are perceiving different things. Because if you were there, it seemed that you were more positive about the game, walking away with a win, the experience. And the main gripe that people had was there's not enough people in the stands. The other side is maybe a day or two later seems to get into this really down down on the program long term lots of negativity towards Knowlton lots of angst towards how did we get in this situation in the first place lots of mentioned about how what year we're in with Wilcox and why we're not developing and then some frustration with the quarterback situation which I actually agree with that and so I want to get your thoughts on this Rob but does it feel that way to you that when you're there in person, there's a little bit more of a positive take towards things? And then as you step away from it and get further removed from the actual experience, things start to shape more critical. I mean, that's the nicest way I can think about saying that. Like things tend to be a little bit more critical about what actually transpired. Or are you experiencing things differently? I think you're on the right track with with that with that train of thought, like the whole, you're just in it for the fun, right? You're there at the game, you're enjoying yourself, all that. So that the emotions are a little bit nicer, despite whether it might be a win or a loss. But the win, of course, definitely helps carry that, you know, good, good feels a little bit, the good vibes. And then you get home and then, you know, maybe you look up the stats, maybe you rewatch the game and you watch it from a vantage point that you didn't see from the stadium and you start to look at the game a little bit more in depth and you're like, well, like I had fun, but man, like this was like overall just not a good game. You know, like we, there were, there's like, there's nothing, there's no real part of the game where you can look at it outside of the, the W and go, okay, that we did well, or that we did well, or that we did well. There's a lot more of, okay, well that really needs work. Um, that's not getting any better. That seems to have gotten worse. Um, and so there's a lot more of that, I think, than you get of the, oh, okay, I think we can build off of this. Hmm. I think that my own perspective for this football game, I watched it live for the first hour and then I had to, you know, life got in the way. And if you had asked me what I thought the score of that football game would be after the first hour, I think I would have said something along the lines of 41 to 17. Sure. Cal. Yeah. And that's where I just don't quite understand what I was missing. Because it did look like we were getting 
whatever we wanted on the ground. Sam at the time was making good throws. Jeremiah Hunter looked unguardable, honestly. And I just was like, we are, we are a better football team than Arizona state. Mm-hmm. I felt very confident with that. And then of course my anxiety hit as I was gone and I was like, Oh my gosh, this could be one of those games. But I had a more positive relationship to what I was seeing on the field. And then I went back and finished and rewatched and uh, I kept that sentiment. I actually think things in this game, I think a lot matters in how you finish a game and the drive to finish that game. If you ended up with a touchdown and you put this score, what would have been 28, 21 or something like that. Yeah. 10 point game instead of a three point game. Yeah, if it was a 10-point game instead of a three-point game, I think that a lot of fans would have... Yeah, so what would that have been? 31-21? Yeah. 31-21, I think, would have had a different feel to it than 24-21 against a backup, backup quarterback. Yep. But that's... Also, the rub here, which is, and I'm starting to get more comfortable with this frustration. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is this keeps happening year over year season over season we play down to our opponents and we play up to our opponents Mm -hmm. we've said this before and so i find myself having just seen firsthand what the giants did with gabe kapler and them sort of coming out and stating, hey, 500 is not going to get it done. We want to be in the playoffs. And I think it's fair. I honestly was one of the people that was advocating for us to make a move because I felt like there was an opportunity to get a little bit more authenticity from the manager and, and, and do things differently. And it's not too dissimilar to, I think, how others feel about Wilcox. And so I'm sort of seeing that light more so than I ever have because I am 
not necessarily thrilled that we're in these rock fights with like the teams that are constantly in transition. Mm -hmm. The way I talk myself out of that is saying they did, they threw everything. We said the same thing about Idaho. They were throwing everything they could possibly throw at Cal to try and pull off the upset. Arizona State did the same thing. So many of those fourth down plays are ridiculous. I can't even believe this guy's name is Scataboo. Like that's not like made up. It's like looks like his name would be like Skatebo, but it's like somehow the dopest name ever, Scataboo. And he's like impossible to tackle and has arms the size of I don't know, the Grand Canyon. <laughs> but they're they threw a lot at us. There's a screen the screen game I do think was very innovative. And I think a lot of people might be pointing at that and saying that's the that was the offense that we really just wish we could see with the Wilcox defense. Here we go again. <laughs> but I under I'm starting to understand the frustration because this is a game that I think really should have been 31 21 31 14 38 mm-hmm. 21 if you want to do that. And I think if that if you have that type of win you walk away from this and you can point to things like a lot of other people do not see this O-line as better than last year or maybe marginally at best. To my untrained, non-analytical eye, I think our quarterbacks have had way more time in the pocket. I just don't think Sam likes to go through his progressions. It just doesn't happen for whatever reason. And he's great at throwing to Jeremiah Hunter sometimes, but he just doesn't feel the pocket and I think our running backs and Jay Knott I don't agree that Jay Knott was bottled up for most of that game I felt like when I was watching it that he was getting solid downfield runs he wasn't breaking out or having the Jay Knott moments that maybe we've come to expect but it the offense was showing signs of being at class if not better than a Pac-12 opponent which for me was very exciting. But the frustration comes with the fact that we keep these other teams in games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, the first point, the Jaden Knotts, the 29 carries for a net of 165 in a touchdown. His long went for 20. So, like, there's no like 80 yard dash that accounts for 160 of it. He averaged 5.7 yards a carry. I don't know how that's bottled up. You hand it to him twice and you get a first down. I I, I don't know, man. I was stunned. I like read that. I was like, what the who, what the world? What game? I was like, what game did I watch? Because clearly I wasn't watching. I watched the entire entire game twice. I was like, did we watch the same thing? If by bottled up you mean he didn't break off like a sixty yard run for a touchdown, then sure. If that's your definition of bottled up, I think you're correct. But in this particular case. No, I think I think he was he did exactly what he was going to do. And he was like the point of like emphasis from the Arizona State defense. I think they wanted to keep him from being able to break out, you know, like a 40-yard run. So, and they did their job, but yet they still let him run for 167 yards. So That yeah. is definitely the positive takeaway. I think that defense you're totally right. The defense queued in all right, we're not going to give it the, the big play on the ground. They were okay giving up. And and I think Cal did a great job of taking what the defense was giving them. Yep. And we haven't done that in the past. We, we did not nope. do that with Musgrave offenses. We would be even worse. And um, 
that I am a hundred percent in alignment on. Can I give you a theory on how what like how the offense played out like this game in particular? Sure. I think uh, looking at this game, you know, a few days on, I think it makes more sense to me now that when they scouted Arizona State, they said, "Look, they're not that great. I think we can run the ball and get whatever we want on the ground." which kind of held true. They're going to try and zone in on our run, but I think our run offense is good enough to be able to maintain that against it. What they're not going to expect and where we can maybe gain some confidence is letting Sam throw. Their Their pass defense is not that great. So if you can take this game with the run game established and get Sam some confidence in being able to make some reads get some solid throws in in his first real full game, like without getting hurt, then I think this, if that was the game plan and that's kind of what it feels like they did because they decided to pass so often in the middle of the game, like they ran early and they ran late. Right. But in the middle, middle of the game, they were just throwing as much as they possibly could. And everyone's like, why aren't you running the ball? Why aren't you running the ball? I think this was part of the plan because especially after the fact that you hear about Wilcox saying they had a plan to get Mendoza into the game at some point, but just the game flow did not allow them to do that. I think what they expected was maybe Sam to get in some rhythm and maybe put up a few more scores through the air to be able to get. I I think they knew they were going to win this game from the get go. I don't I didn't think they were this was like they were fully in the we're going to win this like this isn't going to be a competitive game. It just happened to be the score was so close. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what they were going for, just looking back at how the game went and their decisions in certain moments throughout the throughout the progression of the game. That's it. I think that's a very interesting point because to me, it, it does speak towards maybe overlooking an opponent. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I totally love that. I actually interpreted the stuff about Sam another way. I actually interpreted that pretty negatively. I don't think Sam's the starter. And I said this last week and no one heard it. But I said, I I see, we talked about it. We both said, we see all these people talking about, oh, look how Sam, how good Sam looked. And, you know, it's against twos and the game was sort of out of hand. And yes, I don't want to discount anything, but it just wasn't really an accurate sample size. And so this game was a much better opportunity for us to see what Sam looked like as a starter. And I think everybody saw that what, we, what we've been saying. It's like, we want this dude to succeed. We are huge fans of his ability, but he just doesn't, doesn't make his progressions. It just doesn't do it. And you can't run an offense that way. You can't lock in on one dude. Trust me, like I was a Niners fan when we had Cap. Like, it was the same thing. You would make one read... And then he would usually freak out in the pocket and run around. And it's worked for a bit because he was athletic and the defenses figured it out. And all of a sudden it wasn't working. Harbaugh gets fired and Cap, you know, appropriately takes a knee and never gets to play football again. The problem with Sam is, is I don't think we're using him in any sort of inventive way as a runner. And it just drives me crazy. And I think it's because we're trying to keep him healthy. But to me, that's the only way that I look at him as a starting quarterback and say it's worth it. 
it, and honestly, the only way forward I would see for Sam to get as much playing time would be for him to kind of be a featured more runner, like running quarterback rather than someone that can throw, but not, you know, kind of what Tebow really should have been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Spavadol said that in his like presser today, like he, he said some things about like guys are all three guys are still in the mix. Um, you know, they're going to evaluate it week to week. And then they talked about Sam and he like compared him to guys like, you know, Kyler and to Johnny football saying like, you know, those guys like kind of need to see between their offensive linemen and, you know, making those throws. And then once he decides like it's not there, like they have the ability to take off. And we were talking about that in the discord with the writers today. And I think one of the one of the like slight epiphanies I had just thinking back on Sam's tape is he's so he wants to make a play so bad like that he has a good habit of looking down the field like when he's scrambling. The only issue is sometimes he does that to a fault where he's looking down the field instead of just taking off and just getting the eight yards instead of trying to go for the 25 yard throw that ends up in like a negative 10 yard sack. And so that's, that's where decision-making comes in, right? It's like once he, once he sees one, it doesn't matter if it's one read, two reads or three reads, if you don't see it, you got to go. Yeah. And when, if you, if you decide to go, you're committing to the go, you can't, you can't scramble out of the pocket and look down the field and keep looking, thinking that there's going to be something else because the offense is built on spacing and the offense is built on throwing to certain locations. And if you're if those locations aren't there, then those same locations aren't opening up again once you scramble out. Then it's a scramble drill at that point. You're just waiting. And then in a scramble drill, like every it's it's anyone's it's anyone's game. Because you might not see a linebacker and the linebacker sees you and he realizes that there's space right there and he thinks you're gonna throw it into there to Jeremiah, who's like on a comeback. And he jumps that route, and you know it's a plus breakup or, or or a interception. Um, you know, some people are talking about how he thinks some uh, somebody was saying in the Discord like they think that the wide receivers are running the wrong routes. I don't think they're running the wrong routes because if it, if they're running the wrong routes, as I said, because this offense is based on throwing into certain areas, then you would see a lot of his balls hit the ground, like just hit, just go into an open space and just land on the ground. But the fact that he's throwing at guys means that he knows where they're supposed to be. It's just there were a couple throws even in this game where like he saw Tron down the field, but like Tron wasn't expecting the ball to be thrown his way at all. Like he wasn't even looking for the ball. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's a communication error um, because if you're running a route, you always have to be aware that the ball might be thrown to you. So that's just that's, of course, once again, that's an easy thing to fix. Um, But overall like that's there's just certain things where he can work on to get better and this is the this is the conversation that we've been having with like me and some of the other guys is like i don't think you can have it both ways of i want wilcox out but i'm willing to give sam jackson time no you can't i i don't think you can't because you, you if you're saying that you think sam can get better as the season progresses that means you're willing to eat some losses and bad performances early on. And as everyone's been talking about, and we were just talking about, the margin for error in victories for us is so razor thin that we can't afford bad performances 
and we don't have the the leeway to be able to eat up bad quarterback performances, you know, to build for the future. So, like, you have to pick your choice. Like, if you're saying that Wilcox needs to win now, then you can't get mad at him for trying to switch out quarterbacks every week because yep. he's trying to win now. If you're saying that Sam needs to be the starter in a given time, then you can't be mad if Wilcox takes a you know, the, the coaching staff takes a loss here and there as the season progresses. That's just where that's just something that people are going to have to come to terms with. It's not an easy thing to come to terms with. I it isn't. Because I, I don't really know how I feel about it. If we win four games this season, I don't think I'm going to be particularly thrilled. But then at the same time, if we developed good talent for next year, that's what I'm saying. It just comes back to that analogy of the poker analogy of like, what are we doing? And I just don't know how to feel about what we're doing. Are we going all in on this season or not? It's really hard to say. It's even more confusing now that Fernando's name is back in the mix. I'm just, I'm completely puzzled. Sounds like the coaches are too around who can potentially lead. I think the only reason why Ben Finley didn't start this game is because he was hurt. Yep. And, uh, you know, coach did talk about that in his post thing, right? It's like he missed a couple practices due to injury. And then um, I think it was the same thing with Sam. Because, like, you know, Sam had gotten hurt and they were, like, waiting for him to to recover um, or I mean, sorry, with Jay not right. You know, they yeah. were waiting for him to recover and he didn't recover in time for the Idaho game. So, or like it was late in the week. I think that's the same thing with Ben. Cause Ben was on the sideline. He was suited up. He was throwing um, with the wide receivers at every time out. So he wasn't a tree close. So I can confirm that. Who do you think starts against Oregon state? <sighs> oh, if I were a betting man, I'd say Ben Finley. Yeah, me too. But I think you might give Sam Jackson one more shot here. Um, Only way I'm giving Sam is another shot is if we're running triple option. Yeah. I I would love to see an evolution of that run. I mean, we kind of have it with the RPO. Yeah. It's working well with the inside, inside zone. And I would just... I, I you have you have to make it easier for Sam to make that decision. You're you're spot on in what you said before. There's so many times where we're watching a game, he gets loose outside the pocket, and there's ten yards in front of him, and he throws it. And we're like, dude, take the yardage. Yeah, take what's in front of you. And the thing that made Johnny Football special or Kyler special, I mean, let's talk about Johnny Football in particular. It's kind of a hard comparison because I think they're a little bit more like they could pass but those guys broke tackles as runners i mean i'm even thinking back to uh gosh i can't believe i can't remember his name who was the arizona quarterback that we went into overtime against and he was unbelievable for like a season oh uh hill was it solomon hill no um no. oh 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 shoot Oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh my God, we yeah we lost the four, like the triple overtime game with him. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Oh, Remember that is, season? Yeah. No one could tackle him. No one could. But he was also willing to put himself in a position to be tackled, and I haven't really seen that as much from Sam. And I have a feeling it's because of the injury. But I would love to see you know hopefully if he's healthy, him actually attack defenders and go and use his loose because he's clearly got it. Every single announcer talks about how athletic he is, 
and he's clearly a playmaker. So it's just a matter of like, how do we develop and utilize your skills to the best uh, of your ability? And then I think, yeah, you need somebody in that's going to be in there that can go through progressions that can give a pass element that keeps defenses honest because we cannot have them be able to just clamp down on the run. And yeah, I think to Nick's point in his column, that might have worked against Arizona State, but is that going to work against Oregon State, let alone Utah, let alone USC, let alone anybody else on the schedule? And I think that's a big question. It's probably not against Utah, probably not against USC. And I think you have that advantage against Stanford. Doubt that you would have that advantage against UCLA and unsure what you're going to get with Washington State. So, yeah, tough sled in that way. you got to be able to pass the football. And you have way too much talent at the receiver position not to. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Jeremiah is, uh, is awesome. And that should free up Maven and Trond and like all of our other guys to like feet, like to be featured way more. It's crazy to me. Like when was the last time we had a star wide receiver that's probably getting extra help from the defense and we've taken zero advantage of it. I, I don't think we have, other than Tron getting some catches against UW and yep. looking really good against UW. Like, I really don't think we have. Like, Taj looked good, like flash against UW, but like nobody flashed last week at all. <laughs> no one. And I'm like, that's crazy. What NFL team has a star receiver and their and like all of their other receivers get more looks because of it? We have a star receiver and none of our other receivers are getting looks because it makes zero sense. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, here's the, the the comp that I've heard a lot of people make in regards to Sam before we move on is people have been saying, look, like, look at, you know, either, uh, what's it, Jane Daniels, his his freshman year at ASU, or the, the most common comp right now, of course, is DTR, right? You know I mean? And I'm going to run you through DTR's freshman year stats right now, right? 2018 UCLA. 194 attempts, 112 completions, 57.7 completion percentage, 1,311 yards, 6.8 yards um, per, I think that's attempt, Um, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, and 19 sacks. Rushing-wise, 50 carries for 68 yards, 1.4 yards per carry, and zero touchdowns. That was like his true freshman year, right? Sam right now, 51 completions on 97 attempts, 52.6, 556 yards, 5.7 per attempt, five touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 
QB rating of 113. DTR ended that season with a QB rating of 122. So here's here's the only thing I'll say against that. Jaden Daniels, 6'3". Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 6'2". 6'1", 6'2", yeah. I just think the height... It's like if Sam was actually 5'11", this wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> we can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> We're just going off of what was in the, the media guide. But it's a... I've seen some people try to make Zach Maynard comparisons. No, that's a long comparison to make. Brandon McElwain comparisons. I'm like, is this? We really? This is this is what we're doing. Let's put some let's put some respect on Brandon McElwain's name, who's like a, a high what's it um, prospect in the Mets organization. Is he? Yeah, he's get he gets called to spring uh, spring training every single season. I think he's in he's either in Double A or Triple A now. No way. Or is he still in single A? I'm no, pretty I mean, sure he was amazing. I'm pretty sure he was in double A at one point. And maybe he maybe he dipped back down. But yeah. Triple A. Yeah, there you go. So let's put some respect. Let's just say for Brandon Malcolm, football was not his sport. Baseball was his sport. He was gonna make, he's gonna make the majors at some point. He's gonna get at least an at least a try. Batted 247, 20 stolen bases, 12 homers, 70 RBIs. Look, the speed doesn't go anywhere. We saw his speed when he was running as a quarterback here. Like, the center field speed doesn't go anywhere. He's six feet, according to the Mets. According to the Mets. I think that, yeah, this is, I mean. Look, all else, for me, all I'll say is this. Godspeed to whoever is our quarterback for the next five games, because it is a gauntlet. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, Oregon State beating Utah really wasn't what we needed to see right before going through this. But yeah, I mean, dude, Oregon State, Utah, USC, <laughs> Oregon, Washington State, Stanford, UCLA. It is, I mean, who would have thought that? At this point in the season, I would be looking at this and saying, thank the sweet heavens that we are going to the ACC. <laughs> that schedule is going to be infinitely easier than what we are going through this year. Yep. Yep. And the thing with that's the thing, too, like Oregon State beating Utah, like Utah is running out of bodies. So if they're not healthy by the time they play us, like even I know it's in Salt Lake, but it's it's a noon game. They just announced that today. Like. I don't. I don't think we're gonna win, but I think we can keep it closer than a thirty-five to zero performance like we had last time we were in Salt Lake. And by the way, which at that point too, like we were starting our third quarterback that season, you know, Spencer Brash got his first start in Salt Lake, and we, we were running out of wide receivers, so Ashton Davis was running wide receiver routes. Like that tells you how how low we were in that game. Muted again. Hey, you know what? I figured I pressed the button. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that and it was depressing. Mm -hmm. That was tough. 
It was really, really tough. I think we came on and we're like, what do we even talk about? It wasn't a real game. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. What do you expect to happen against Oregon State? That's a very good question. It's, uh, you know, homecoming, 7 p.m. The vibes are not great when it's Oregon State and homecoming in a night game um, in Memorial Stadium. Just not never good vibes surrounding that. So, look, I'll, I'm going to keep the optimism up. I'll just say it's let's exercise some demons in the final year of the Pac-12. Like, you know, I'm rooting for Oregon State and Washington State to win the whole conference. But, you know. In this particular week, when we play Oregon State, I'm really hoping for the win here. Um, DJ does not look anything really too special, like compared to all the other quarterbacks in in the conference. Like, I don't know what that says. Does that say more about DJ, or does that say more about the quarterbacks that we have in the conference? Um, but his numbers aren't like anything crazy. Like 73 completions on 127 attempts, 1,032 yards, eight touchdowns, and four interceptions. Like. He's not lighting the world on fire, um, but they're they have enough talent everywhere else that they're like winning games. So hopefully this is one of those games where we come out and we punch them in the mouth and they like, you know, maybe they overlook us. Maybe maybe this is the game instead of Oregon State in the years past of like, let's go out and and you know pull off the upset against Cal. Like this year, it's one of those like. They're coming in as the favorite, and they don't know how to really handle that. And uh, we pull off the upset. But ESPN right now, matchup predictor, according to ESPN Analytics, has us with a win percentage of 32.8. A lot higher than I thought. I think I thought we would be in like the 24, 20, 22 to 24% range. But what about you? How you feeling? I think Oregon State is... One of the better teams in the conference. I, I, I just think this game is going to come down to our defense. And I'm still waiting for our defense to look like the 2018-2019 Cal defense under Wilcox. And if we can get there, because we certainly have the linebacker talent. If we can get there, then this game will be tight. We have a chance to win it. Yeah, there's I'm a, with you. I mean, there's there's just a couple of stats here that's like it's gonna be like punch for punch, right? Like Oregon State only allows sixty seven point two yards per game on the ground. We average two hundred twelve yards per game on the ground. Like something's gonna have to give. We average two hundred twelve yards per game on the rushing. Ground? Yeah, that's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Spavital, the running back whisperer. Uh, no, that's I. That's Mike Blesh, baby. Run game coordinator. <laughs> Mike Blesh, run game coordinator. That's so funny. That's exactly why we brought Spav in to revamp our running game. <laughs> yeah. But then you look at Oregon State, right? They average 206 yards on the ground rushing. We defensively give up 98.6 yards on the ground on average. So, like, it's whichever defense <laughs> decides to give up first in the run game. Gosh, please not another Ryan Null game. Please not. Please not that. They don't have a they don't have a wrecking null. The big thing was getting this win against Arizona State felt really important. Uh, 
you know, I think a lot of people have talked about how they can't see this team getting any better and that there isn't a path towards five, six bowl eligibility or anything like that. It's hard to see. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we forget that in, I think to your point, Rob, what, what I really appreciate is that you're so good at bringing up these past examples of where we've been. And when we go back and we revisit those seasons, if we want to use 2019 as an example, weren't we like completely in the doldrums and we'd lost like four in a row and then we rallied back and I think rattled off, you know, another three wins. Like it's going to take something like that. Like the, the success of Cal has never in my, like the success of Cal in the PAC 12 and where we end up is determined in October. Yep. And a little bit in November. Obviously, but at the same time, I we lose sight of it. We're like, oh, the season's over. <laughs> <laughs> We're three and two, throwing the towel now. I I don't support that because you don't have any idea. To your point, we don't know what Utah is going to be. We don't know what any of our opponents are going to be. Anybody could lose a starting quarterback, including us. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Knock on wood. Any Anything can happen any given week, any given Sunday. Here we go. The number one cliche. And therefore, I think it's a little ridiculous to put out these big woe is me. We just don't know. And if we still look, Wilcox is not checked out. I don't know if anyone is out there putting. But if you watch this man's press conference, he is not checked out of this role. And if he is truly a good coach, which I do believe we have evidence that he is. He is going to work on developing his players and growing his players over time. We just haven't seen that. We haven't had the opportunity to watch a team come into itself or become something different in the middle of the season. We've watched the offenses of the last three years be the same damn thing for every single game until we fired Musgrave in which it looked way different. Right. Yep. I feel like that's what we've seen. We've seen the same thing over and over again. And yeah, the historical data says, okay, that's what we're going to be. But that ignores all of the changes that we made. And so the optimist in me looks at this and says, whether we're three and two right now or three and three next week or three and four after Utah, there's still an opportunity for this team to figure out what its, what its identity is before we need to write them off. Because we it is a different coaching staff. It there have been so many different changes. And I need to remind myself of that. The problem with the Giants to go like full circle on you here and bring up the Kapler stuff was to Farhan's point, we played our worst baseball at the most important time of the year. We haven't even reached the most important time of the year for Cal. You could argue we have started into it. I would say hit me in late October. And if you could rattle off, I know this is a big wish, but (laughs) if you could rattle off an undefeated close to your season, that is more impressive. That's what you evaluate and look at. How did you close the season? How did you finish? Not how did you do in your middle third or like your first third? 
Nobody cares. You could go four and zero and then lose every game there on after. It, like, yeah, it matters, but it's September to December. Basically, is this season? We're in October. I think this team deserves a little bit more from us before we write it off as like this is a three win season. Yeah, I mean, look, you brought up twenty nineteen, right? We went four and zero to start the season. And then we went 0 and 4. And then and then we ended the season 3 and 1. And then we went to the Red Box Bowl. I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but like that's the thing. It's sports. Until the ball is kicked off and then the final whistle whistle is blown, we do not know what is going to happen in any given game. We can talk about it. We can project and we can expect what might be the most likely outcome but we don't really know. So look, no one expected us to drop 58 points in our season opener. Right. So I'm not saying we're going to drop 58. I'm just saying like it's uh, unexpected. Things happen all the time in sports. Let's we, let's we see have what a happens. Lot, we have a lot more to learn. There's just a lot more to be, to learn and you don't learn anything. If you just write it off. <laughs> yeah. You don't learn anything. If you're just like, Oh, this is, this is just, this is a, Foregone conclusion. Yeah. I think, to your point, I think we'll learn the most about this team in the next three games. I think the Washington game was just like, we lost it at the start of the game, and like there wasn't any meaningful takeaways we can take from it. The Arizona State game, they were, they're probably one of the worst teams in the Pac-12, if not for Stanford. So, like... 24 21 were we playing down were we just experimenting were we toying with them like i it's it's hard to tell but these next three games oregon state at utah and then home to sc like those will be definitely telling. if we're getting blown out in the next two like even the next two games like oregon state and utah then yeah i think if if you're saying right off the season because we're not going to be any good this year not competitive yeah you might end up being right and here's the here's the saving grace on those games. Oregon State didn't look good against Utah last week. Utah didn't look good against Oregon State last week. And USC's defense got chewed up by a Colorado team that I didn't I don't think looks good at all. Well, Arizona State kept kept them in the game until pretty much the second half too against SC. With SC. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's opportunity against all three of these opponents and I don't know if we need to go two and one coming out of this to inspire that hope, but I think it's competitive football the entire way. And, you know, we do have to rewrite a little bit of the narrative. It can't just be close and then we shoot ourselves in the foot. I think that's just going to get people are just, they're they're so tired of it. They're tired of that. And it's like the same thing with the giants. I keep pointing back to it. It's like people were tired of the platoons. They're tired of Kapler's overemphasized, macho man walk to the mound like they want something different so if we go into those games and we go against oregon state and we miss three field goals and we lose by six same old shit right give me a new coach but if we go against oregon state and we lose 49 42 in a shootout and we played really good football and they just beat us then i think you look at that and you say that was different than what it was before. And I think it's the difference now that matters 
But I think we've also lost sight of the fact that Wilcox did make these changes to be different. It just cracks me up, man. I see these comments and they're like, I don't think a Wilcox offense is ever going to be successful. I'm like, dude, like guys, we literally saw what happened when he fired his offensive coordinator and was the offensive coordinator. Like he literally was, it was the most creative we've ever seen the Cal offense be. (laughs) (laughs) So I just think we can toss that one out. We don't need it. We've already been through this. He went full tilt. Like look at the, look, just, we can point to so many stats and this is going to be an interesting discussion to have at the end of the season. But like just looking, looking at his like macro coaching decisions, like how many times he's going for it on fourth down, like just when he's deciding to, to attack an offense or attack a defense. It's like, it's, it's night and day compared to the last, what I'd I want to say like three or four years. Anything else you want to add? No. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us here on the California golden bear cast. If you, uh, are listening to this, you already found us. But if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at goldenbearcast.gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at goldenbearcast. Um, in terms of our written stuff, <coughs> oh, excuse me. You can find us at writeforcalifornia.com. Oh, my goodness. The voice, voice is gone. It's gone. It's gone. Um, <laughs> one thing, one thing I do want to uh, emphasize of note. Um, Cal basketball season is right around the corner. I think this. Uh, I think basketball season starts the first week of November, so we're just about a month out. Uh, they just announced that they're having a late night at Haas event, which includes like the gymnastics team, the women's basketball team, and the men's basketball team during bye week. I believe it's on Thursday at like six p.m. or something like that. Um, come out! I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun little like uh, midnight madness type of event. Uh, but in terms of basketball coverage, we are getting a jump start on that right now. Uh, we're all getting the the preview posts uh, ready. Uh, we're talking to the Cal men's basketball team and the athletics department to see if we can do some interesting things and maybe some interviews with the new coaching staff and players before the season starts. So hopefully we can get those scheduled and we'll have some good content out for you guys to get yourself a little bit hyped um, for basketball season because there feels like there's a little bit – there's some good energy and some good vibes coming out of Haas um, heading into the start of difference. basketball season. It's that good difference right there. It's, it's that good difference of a recruiting and transfer portal NIL money. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> the mad dog. The mad dog. The mad dog. Which, by the way, he was on the sideline with his entire family um, at the start of the Cal game. Like That's, I big, saw- that's a big family. That's, yeah, that's a very big family. His baby is uh, same as, same, almost as old as mine, huh? I believe I like. so. Yeah, yeah. Because they just had a kid. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Goodness. Um, Goodness. Wow. Yeah. I I will be at a couple of Cal basketball games this year. It's going to be yeah. exciting. Yeah. It's it's exciting times. It's very I need a new times. VIP section at Haas. That's what I really need. <laughs> You're not going to get the same one that you get at USF. <laughs> it's not going to happen, buddy. Not going to happen. <laughs> Come on. We can do it. Somebody at the Cal Athletic Department just have, just go to a USF game and be like, this is dope. We should do this. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. All right. I think we're good. Are we good? Is we're that good. it? We're good. All right. As, as always. You're not going to say it first? You said go as bears. always. <laughs> go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs>
The whole time I thought it was my microphone. And it turns out it was Rob's. There was a moment where it was yours. Nope. Because you had a faulty cable, which you ended up paying for in original price anyways. But now I don't. Now I don't either. your fault. (laughs) No, I changed mine too. It was Rob's fault. All right. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.